Hello, it's a wonderful, wonderful evening. It's Sunday school time. God is good to each and every one of us, and for that, I am so thankful to Him. It's a great gospel temple, the church of praise and worship and inspiration of God ministries. You can reach me at 469-629-9543 and our GGT Church 66 at yahoo.com. Also on any other social media, uh, I guess, should I say outlets that I'm on, any of those that I'm on. So we're going into our lesson and my prayer is before, dear God, before I sit and stand before you to speak, I pray to you, God, that my soul you will keep. And if I should die before I finish, I pray that any outstanding sins be forgiven. Amen. That's my prayer that the Lord gave me for the beginning of each of my webcasts or broadcasts. Because we never know what's going to happen from one millisecond to the next. And one thing I do know is that God is good. He's forever good. He loves us so much. And He wants the best for us and all that is good for us. But we have to be ready whenever God calls our name for eternity. The epitome of true love. The epitome of true love. We're in John, the 13th chapter, the 31st through the 38th verses. And we're in the L.G. Parkhurst Jr. version of the the commentary for the Sunday School. And this is for December 13th, 2020. This year is moving moving, moving. And I will go into our scripture and our focal scripture is John 13 verse 34 and I will read that King James Version. John 13 34 I will get that off set. Okay. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. I repeat that. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. That's a focal scripture. I'm going to do the verses now. It's the King James Version, Bible Gateway. Therefore, when he was gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God be not glorified in excuse me, 
if God be glorified in him, God shall also glorify him in himself and shall straightway, straightway glorify him. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. Ye shall seek me, and as I said unto the Jews, whither I go, ye cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, whither goest thou? Jesus answered him, Whither I go, thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. Peter said unto him, Lord, why cannot I follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. Jesus answered him, Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, The cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. Wow, my goodness. So we'll go right to the commentary. L.G. Parkhurst, you can find it just by typing in L.G. Parkhurst, or you can go to www.ousu.com. This is International Bible Study Commentary. Getting to our commentary part here. From this verse, which is therefore when he was gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. And so from this verse, rather than try to lead people in faith to him, Jesus will teach deeper truths to those who already believe in him and want to faithfully follow him. Through the following teachings will still help all who seek to learn more about Jesus but do not yet believe in him. Okay, so what it's saying is that Jesus will teach deeper truths to those who already believe in him and want to faithfully follow him. And then I said through, but it's though the following teachings will still help all who seek to learn more about Jesus, but do not yet believe in him. Now the rest of the Gospel of John should encourage all of us who follow Jesus according to Jesus' teachings, okay? Now, among other truths in the following lessons, Jesus will introduce us to the Holy Spirit who will be with us forever, and he will tell us how to live with courage in this world until he comes. So before Jesus began his last and perhaps most important teachings, especially for his loyal disciples, then and in the future, he, want, he waited until Judas Iscariot had departed to betray him. Now as early as John, verse 6, excuse me, as early as John, chapter 7, 
I am not getting this right. I repeat, and I am correcting it now. As early as John, the sixth chapter and the 17th verse, Jesus had told his disciples what type of person Judas was without naming him when he said, Did I not choose you, the twelve? Yet one of you is a devil. So in John, the 13th chapter and the 27th verse, we learned that Judas did not go out until Satan entered him. But Jesus did not give what is holy to dogs or throw his pearls before swine. And we can see that uh, scripture in Matthew, the seventh chapter and the sixth verse. A person described as a devil whom Satan indwelt would have hated Jesus even more if he had heard Jesus pray and teach about love, truth, the way of life, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and where Jesus was going to prepare a place for his true disciple. Now in the Gospel of John, this is the last time Jesus will speak of himself as the Son of Man. Now to learn more about how Jesus used the title Son of Man, go to the end of this commentary and read all the times Jesus spoke of himself as the Son of Man in the Gospel of John. Now on Palm Sunday, Jesus said that the hour or time had come for him to be glorified. Jesus again prophesied his coming death, saying in John the 12th chapter, the 23rd through the 24th verses, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very, true, very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. On the night Judas departed to betray him, Jesus said he has been glorified. The Son of Man has been glorified because when Jesus took a piece of bread and gave Judas and Satan permission to betray him, Jesus fulfilled scripture, obeyed his father, and began the final sacrifice of his life on the cross. Jesus said the Son of Man has been glorified because he has set in motion his betrayal, arrest, crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension to the right hand of his Father in heaven to bear much fruit through his followers before his return at his second coming. Now everything Jesus did and still does through his followers glorifies and honors the Father and him. Jesus glorified his heavenly Father by his perfect obedience to his Father, no matter what the personal cost or sacrifice because 
God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. And that's John the third chapter and the 16th verse. Now in the world, people glorify or honor themselves and they want other people to glorify or honor them too for their achievements in the world's activities. Because of self-love, many people supremely want to be glorified by others for what they have or what they do. In the kingdom of God, because of his unselfish love for God and others, Jesus glorified or honored himself and the Father glorified or honored him for his perfect obedience and willingness to sacrifice his life for the salvation of those who would believe in him. And that's talking about us. Hallelujah. Love motivated the Father to send the Son, and love motivated the Son to obey the Father, even unto death for the love of those he came to save. In John the 15th chapter and the 13th verse, Jesus describes the depth, depth of his love for us, for his friends, for his loyal and loving disciples. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Now in Romans the fifth chapter and the eighth verse, Paul described the breadth of the love the Father and the Son had for us even before we had turned from our sins. But God proves his love for us in that while we still were sinners, Christ died for us. My goodness. The Father and the Son deserve our love and our efforts to glorify or honor them. They are worthy to be praised. Lest we boast in our achievement, the Father and the Son have saved us by grace through faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Now Paul wrote in Ephesians the second chapter, the eighth and the ninth verses, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. It's not anything we did. We couldn't do anything to earn salvation. Jesus came. He took pity on us. He loves us so much that he came and sacrificed his life so that I can be sitting here talking to you at this very moment. I thank him, I thank him, I thank him for having mercy on this soul of mine and accepting my 
repentance and giving me a right to the tree of life. He forgave me because I asked him to. I repented of my sins. And then I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. He gave me a choice I could accept or reject. And I chose and still choose to accept him as my personal Savior. All right. Now, the Father and the Son always acted and spoke in perfect unity of love, thought, and purpose. Jesus glorified God by everything he said, did, and would soon do when he died on the cross and rose again. God glorified Jesus by the way Jesus suffered, died, and rose again with the help of his heavenly Father, and he would do so at once. God the Father and God the Son glorified each other when Jesus sacrificially laid down his life to take it up again when he rose from the dead. My, 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 my God. To glorify his Father, Jesus lived and taught in perfect submission to his Father's will. And his Father glorified Jesus when he raised him from the dead and showed that Jesus had represented him perfectly when he came into the world. Oh, God is so happy with his son. Hallelujah. He is him himself, okay? He, he's he himself, the almighty God. Oh, my goodness. In John, the first chapter, the 12th verse, John described how Jesus gave and still gives people the power to become children of God. To all who received him, talking about Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God. In John the 11th chapter and the 52nd verse, Jesus spoke about gathering into one the dispersed children of God. When Jesus next spoke of children, in John the 12th chapter and the 36th verse, Jesus spoke of the children of light. Now while you have the light, believe in the light so that you may become children of light. As children of God and children of light, Jesus tenderly addressed his loyal disciples as little children for they still had much to learn from him before he died on the cross. Later, both Paul and John would speak to new and mature Christians as little children. In summation, to become a child of God, child of light, or a person, or a person 
must receive Jesus and believe in Jesus, for only Jesus can give anyone the power to become a child of God. I will repeat that. To become a child of light, we must believe Jesus is the light and the truth and follow the light and the truth, which is Jesus, who we find perfectly described and revealed in the Bible. Now that's not a repeat, but I'll go back up just a little bit. In John 8th chapter 12 verse, and John 9th chapter in the 5th verse, Jesus proclaimed that he is the light of the world and those who follow him have the light of life. And just a little bit above that, Later, both Paul and John would speak to new and mature Christians as little children. In summation, to become a child of God, child of light, whichever you prefer, a person must receive Jesus and believe in Jesus, for only Jesus can give anyone the power to become a child of God. Only Jesus can do that, okay? Now, in John's first letter to Christians, that's in 1 John, the first chapter, the seventh verse, John wrote, If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. It cleanses us from all sin. My goodness. Get a clean slate. We got a clean slate. Oh my goodness. The disciples did not know what Jesus meant by a little longer, but Jesus would suffer betrayal and arrest that very night and be crucified the next day. After Jesus rose from the dead and his followers heard that he had risen, some of them did look for him, but they did not find him until he appeared to them. That's to Mary Magdalene at the tomb and to the disciples in an upper room within locked doors. And we can see that in John, the 20th chapter, in the uh, first through the 31st verses, okay? Now, Jesus was going to the cross to die a sacrificial death for the forgiveness of sins, for the sins of those who received him. And neither the, the Jews nor the disciples could do that for themselves or anyone else. He also meant that he would soon be going to the Father in heaven, and later all who believe in him would go there too, to the place Jesus prepared for them. And we can see that in John the 14th chapter and the first and second verses. Now during the three years of ministry, 
Jesus showed the world and his disciples how to live according to Leviticus, the 19th chapter and 18th verse. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against any of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. That's what Jesus said. Now, Jesus never took vengeance on anyone, no matter how awful they spoke to him or treated him. Jesus never took vengeance on Judas, Pilate, the chief priests, or those who nailed him to the cross. Jesus did not bear a grudge against those who followed him only for the food he could give them or against those who came to him just to entrap him with some questions or against those who plotted his death. He didn't hold a grudge, didn't retaliate. Oh, he's a mighty God. Jesus did what he preached in Matthew the 5th chapter and the 44th verse. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus loved his neighbors as himself with a perfect love. For Jesus, the Son of God, is perfect. Now, in the Bible, we see Jesus behaving and teaching perfectly. Now, for the first time, Jesus gave his true disciples a new commandment. And since we are imperfect and we love ourselves imperfectly, we do not love others perfectly. When Jesus gave his disciples a new commandment, he made himself and his actions the standard of how his disciples were to love and how they were to know if they were loving as he intended. I mean, he gave the guidelines and then gave us something to compare to, to make sure we're living the life. Now, here's a notice. Jesus loved everyone, but he especially loved his true disciples in a way that he could love God as Jesus revealed the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, but Jesus still did what he wisely could to lead them to truth, faith in him. To lead them to truth, faith in him. Jesus loved and could love his little children differently because they enjoyed being with Jesus and he enjoyed being with them. His little children worshiped the true God in spirit and in truth. And that's what we have to do. We have to worship him in spirit and in truth. He is an awesome, 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 awesome God. And I love him so, so much. So much. Oh my goodness. It is, it's, it's just something else. When you read, you study about Jesus, about God, who is Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is all one, is all God. 
when we read about it, it is so amazing. And I just want to say thank you, God, for saving me. It's amazing. It's amazing. Oh, my Lord. Jesus loved everyone, but he especially loved his true disciples in a way that he could not show to his enemies. Jesus' enemies could not and would not believe in, obey, and worship God as Jesus revealed the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. But Jesus still did what he wisely could to lead them to truth and faith in him. That Jesus loved and could love his little children differently because they enjoyed being with Jesus and he enjoyed being with him. His little children worshipped the true God in spirit and in truth. As Jesus taught the Samaritan woman in John the 4th chapter and the 12th verse, the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father seeks such as these to worship Him. Jesus expected His true followers to love their neighbors as the Lord commanded in Leviticus the 19th chapter and the 18th verse, and he expected them to love one another as he had demonstrated to them, even washing their feet and taking the part of a slave as Jesus had done. Oh my goodness. He laid the foundation and opened up the way. What more could he do? Oh, he's such, he's awesome. So, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. That is the 35th verse. Now, if they follow Jesus, Christians will think and act uh, directly like him, differently from those of this world. People will see by the things Christians say and do what Christians are and that they're different. By what we say and what we do, people can see the difference in us and the difference in the world. It distinguishes the difference between us and the world. If we're truly, truly serving God, that people can see the difference and they'll know there is a difference. They'll say, like someone told me, say, there's something about you, you're different. I don't know what it is. And one lady, uh, I've told this before, at, at Johnson and Johnson, when I was working there, we made tampons in the Sherman plant, and I was a side packer. And what the side packer would do is after the machine operator packed the the tampons in the little box then they would sit it on the little table that was there for the side packer and the side packer would close the box up and put it in 
a big box and then it will go on somewhere else for further processing okay so I was this young lady filled in one day and so she said it's something about you said I see a light shining over you and I said thank you God thank you God because he said let your light so shine that men will see your good works and glorify God in heaven and that is something that is something I try I try I truly try to let God shine through me I'm not playing I'm not playing around I'm not hypocriting I'm not I'm not pretending this is serious 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 to me I do not want to go to hell and I have said it more than once publicly I know I've sinned enough in my past to have already been in hell so many times over but because God had mercy on my soul had mercy on our souls he came down in human form and walked this earth taught on this earth lived a perfect life on this earth gave his life his physical life here on earth gave it up to death and was buried in a tomb that was borrowed he didn't even have one for himself he rose on the third day with all power in heaven and earth in his hands just for me just for you so that we will have a right to the tree of life that we can have salvation my goodness and i am not going to play around and lose that i don't want to be lost again and i ask god daily to forgive me of my sins just in case during the day i committed some sin and i'm not aware of it that he will forgive me because i don't want anything standing before god and me i want to see him in peace so he can say well done my good and faithful servant enter into eternal life that's what i want okay that's what i want so and if they follow jesus christians will think and act differently from those of this world people will see by the things christians say and do that christians are different in 1 peter the 2nd chapter and the 9th verse in the king james version it reads that christians are a peculiar people and while in the uh new revised standard version calls christians god's own people now consider completely what peter wrote about god's purpose for christ's people but you are a chosen race 
a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Christians proclaim the mighty acts of Jesus, the light of the world, who called them out of darkness into his marvelous light. Jesus called us out of the darkness by loving us and telling us the truth. Then he told us to believe in him, receive him, and follow him. The Christians live differently in many ways, but most importantly, they obey Jesus' commands in the Bible, which will involve other people seeing Christians loving one another according to the Bible's teachings and the difference Christian love makes. Others may never see us as a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own peculiar people, but they can see whether we love one another or not. Now that they can see. And so many, many people have been discouraged when they attended a worship in a sanctuary and they saw the dissension and they felt the division among the people in the sanctuary and they have been so disappointed and discouraged. But I'm here to tell you, if you're one of those who has been disappointed and discouraged, just hold on, just continue to listen to this webcast. And when Greater Gospel Temple is up, then come to Greater Gospel Temple and let the Lord reign in your life. You don't have to wait until it's up, you can continue to listen. You can communicate with me. You can be encouraged. And there are places, there are sanctuaries that have sanctified leaders where you can attend and God will bless you. And I encourage you to be a part of Greater Gospel Temple, the Church of Praise and Worship, and the Inspiration of God Ministries. You can be in our family. Don't be discouraged to the point where you are lost forever. That does not have to be. That does not have to be. God is still reigning. R-E-I-G-N-I-N-G. He reigns forever. And just because people act up, that's not God, okay? So if Christians love one another and love their neighbor as themselves, they will draw some to Jesus Christ and they will learn of his loving sacrificial death on the cross for them. They will believe in him and he will make them new and different people filled with his love and filled with the Holy Spirit. They will join a fellowship of people who love one another. They will love their neighbors as Christ loves them. They will join a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people.
Now, for the time being, Peter seemed to ignore Jesus' teachings or teaching about love, but Jesus will talk to Peter once again about love and how he must love after he rises from the dead. And we can see that in John 21st chapter in the 15th through the 19th verses. Peter fears abandonment after he learns that Jesus will leave him and he particularly fears what the religious authorities might do to Jesus when he talks about his betrayal. Jesus told Peter that where he was going, and Jesus was going to a cross and back to his Father in heaven, and he told him, he said, he, could, he told Peter he could not follow now. Earlier, when Jesus spoke to the Jews, our religious leaders, and taught them almost the same truth, he left out the word now, for they would never go where he was going because they were going to die in their sins. In John the 8th chapter and the 21st verse, told them, I am going away and you will search for me, but you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. Jesus told them that. Peter would not die in his sins, for Jesus gave his love on the cross for Peter. Peter believed in Jesus and wanted to follow him, and Jesus promised Peter, you will follow afterward. He promised him, and that's that's a promise to us too, okay? Perhaps still thinking about one of his fellow disciples betraying Jesus, Peter made it clear to Jesus and the others that he would never betray him. Jesus and him, okay? Now, instead, Peter promised, I will lay down my life for you. Jesus knew Peter loved him. And that is why Peter said he would die for him. Out of love for Jesus, Peter did not want Jesus to humble himself and wash his feet. Now, out of love for Jesus, Peter declared that he would protect Jesus even if he had to lay down his life to defend him. As much as Peter might want to keep Jesus safe, Jesus told Peter that he could not do what he hoped to do. Jesus had to die on the cross according to the scriptures. Jesus did not reprimand Peter for saying what he said. Jesus knew that love for him moved Peter to want to give his life for him. Later in the garden, Peter did risk his life to protect Jesus when Peter, who had a sword, drew it, struck the high priest's slave, and cut off his right ear. John 18, uh, chapter 10, verse. Now, nothing and no one could stop Jesus from laying down his life to save people from their sins and grant eternal life to all who would repent of their sins and believe in him. 
that Jesus loved Peter and he wanted Peter to know that he knew Peter's love for him moved Peter to want to die for him. With loving words, Jesus warned Peter that he could not do what he wanted to do. Instead, Peter would deny him and deny that he even knew Jesus. Jesus knew Peter's heart and human weaknesses. When Jesus said, verily, verily, he indicated that what he was about to say to Peter was certain to happen and nothing could change the future for that evening when Jesus would be betrayed and arrested. No matter what Peter thought and felt, Peter would deny him and do so three times, not just once. Now feelings of fear would fill Peter's heart and mind. Jesus had not yet filled Peter with the Holy Spirit. Jesus did, he had to die and rise again before he could do that. Now fear would move Peter to deny Jesus three times according to the timing that Jesus foretold before the cock crows. As creator and Lord over all creation, Jesus could control when a cock crowed and he would do so under the stress of a trial, persecution, and facing death on a cross. Then in John the 14th chapter and the first verse, Jesus immediately comforted his disciples by saying, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. My, 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 my. And we have a note. We're talking about the epitome of true love. The epitome of true love. Now, here's a note on the Son of Man. And I know this is lengthy, but please hang in here with me, okay? Jesus said to Nathaniel, You will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. That's John the first chapter in the 51st verse. Now Jesus said to Nicodemus, No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That's John, the third chapter, the 13th and the 14th verses. Jesus said to some Jewish leaders, and those religious leaders, okay, and he, meaning the Father, has given him, meaning Jesus, authority to execute judgment because he is the son of man. That's John the 5th chapter and the 27th verses. We're talking about the son of man when Jesus referred to him as the son of man. Jesus said to a crowd, do not work for the food that perishes but for the food that endures for eternal life which the son of man will give you. For it is on him that God the Father has set 
his seal. That's John the 6th chapter and the 27th verse. Now Jesus said to disputing Jews, Verily, verily, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in him. That's John the 6th chapter and the 53rd verse. Now Jesus said to many disciples, Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? That's John, the sixth chapter, and the sixty-second verse. It's a question he asked them. While teaching in the temple, Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will realize that I am He, and that I do nothing on my own, but I speak these things as the Father instructed me. That's the eighth chapter of John, the twenty-eighth verse. Jesus said to the man born blind that he healed, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. That's John the ninth chapter, the 35th and the 37th verse. It says, On Palm Sunday, Jesus said to Philip and Andrew, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. That's the 12th chapter of John and the 23rd verse. The crowd asked Jesus, We have heard from the law that the Messiah remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? That's the 12th chapter of John and the 34th verse. Jesus said to the 11 disciples, Now the Son of Man has to be glorified. And God has been glorified in him. That's the 13th chapter of John in the 31st verses. First, a complete separate study of the ways Jesus used the Son of Man title would be excellent and valuable for group study or personal meditation. And we can see the International Bible Commentary on each verse that includes the Son of Man in the Gospel of John. My goodness. Now we're here for the questions. This is such a good lesson. The epitome of true love. God truly loves us. He truly loves us. Here are the questions just for, you know, fun and exercise. Get you thinking. Number one, if someone glorifies a sports star or celebrity, what does that mean and how do they do so? Number two, what does it mean to glorify the Father and the Son, and how do Christians do so? Number three, what was the new commandment that, excuse me, what was the new commandment that Jesus gave his disciples? In what ways would you consider it new? Number four, what is one way people will know if a group of people are followers of Christ? Number five, what did Peter tell Jesus, and what did Jesus tell Peter? My, 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 my. Oh, this is good. This is so good. I'm going to wrap it up. I'm going to wrap it up. In Jesus' day, people reclined on cushions to eat. They reclined on their side, rested on their elbow, and used their other hand to eat. When the disciples ate together, 
one disciple reclined near Jesus' right hand and another reclined near his left hand, which are places of honor. The others reclined across from one another where they could see Jesus. According to John's description, the one whom Jesus loved, loved probably John, the writer of this gospel, would have reclined on Jesus' right where they could quietly talk. The place of honor on Jesus' left probably went to the treasurer, Judas, where Jesus could easily give him a piece of bread, which usually expressed honor and love for someone. And this is uh, commentary. Remember this, okay? But Judas rejected Jesus' expressions of love and honor. When Jesus taught about how to live in the kingdom of God and spoke about his betrayal at this and previous times without naming Judas, he gave Judas opportunities to turn away from his love of money and stealing to ask Jesus to forgive him and help him do right. Tragically, Judas refused to leave Jesus' teachings about the necessity of walking in the light so you will not stumble or fall in the darkness. Judas loved money so much that he would do anything for just a little more money, even betray a friend who loved and honored him. Finally, the hour came for Judas to betray Jesus and the hour for Jesus to die. So Jesus gave Judas a piece of bread and Satan the permission to enter Judas. Then, in Satan's power, Judas went out into the darkness. My goodness. And I pray that your day is night, evening, morning, whichever it is, is wonderful. And we all know that God is supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. That means he's way, 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 way better than good. So now, for those of you who have not repented of your sins and accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and those who have repented and have gone back into the world and started sinning again, then this is for you. And I want you to repeat after me. It's at will. God does not force any of us to serve him. But I admonish you and I beg you to repent of your sins and accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and live a saved and sanctified life. It's a wonderful life. It's a wonderful life. It really is. Now repeat after me, please. It only takes a few seconds. Dear God, I repent of my sins. I ask you in the name of Jesus to forgive me of my sins. And I accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Amen. It's done. If you did it and you're serious, you are saved now. Now all you have to do is get into fellowship with the church that has a sanctified leader where you can learn and grow and glow, okay, in the Lord. You can reach me at 469-629-9543 or ggtchurch66 at yahoo.com. I love you. This is Greater Gospel Temple, the Church of Praise and Worship. 
and inspiration of God ministries right here, right here on the World Wide Web. I love you so much. I love you so much.